Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Get everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Investing Insights with the Right Property Group, episode 18. It's good to have you back, and I hope you've been enjoying series two of this podcast. Uh, I'm enjoying it myself, and I'm joined today with my regular co-hosts, uh, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar from the Right Property Group. Guys, how are you going? Well, mate, how are you? Good, Phil. Now, I've got a question for you, Steve. It looks like we've got a new trend. Let's start every podcast oh, with a, a curveball. Sledge time. And because you've been nasty to me for the last 20 minutes talking off air, giving me a hard time, I thought I'm going to throw you under a bus straight off the bat Do it. and see how good you are. Do it. Should you chase investment locations on where the government is spending money at any point in time? And I think in particular around $200 billion of defence spending underway for the next decade. And from what I understand, South Australia is going to be a hotspot for this stuff. So what say you, sir? What say you, sir? Look, I don't know about Adelaide being a hotspot, but it certainly is uh, in terms of the amount of money that's going to be spent there uh, by the Defence Force, via the way of the frigates and subs and, and what have you. Um, should it be the sole reason to invest your hard-earned money into an area that really uh, is reliant upon that? The answer is no. But if there's other uh, avenues for the economy to grow, uh, well, then why not? And Adelaide does happen to be one of those areas. I think we spoke about this last time we, we did. together. We yeah. did, but it's uh, in particular Adelaide, there are, there are no-go zones, in my opinion, uh, where you should keep clear of, but there are some corridors there that have proved to be very fruitful in terms of growth uh, and cash flow, and I think they'll continue to do so. Victor, so following off in this question for you then, so, and last time we got together, we spoke about, I think there was a, a big announcement that Ipswich is going to get a whole bunch of investment uh, around new Defence again, yeah. Yeah, for defence, so... Yep. Context-wise, uh, the government's about to announce another massive program, uh, $35 billion, uh, uh, to build some new frigates. And that announcement's coming in about four weeks' time, depending who you talk to. And they've slated that the frigates will be built in South Australia. There's a big shipbuilding industry down there, and obviously the submarines are getting built down there as well. So the question is, we always talk about fundamentals of property. Fundamentals of properties, what makes property go up in value? Wage growth infrastructure investment, booming economies, populations, all this sort of stuff. So what we're talking about here are fundamental drivers of an economy. You're talking about South Australia and there's new government down there. Mm-hmm. But to Steve's point, when do you work out that it doesn't matter that much, it's not going to change things or get so obsessed with it that you you actually make deductive leaps in your decision making, which might not be the right investment? It, it may not be the right investment if, if you're ignoring the fact that at some point in time, the all the consulting, the building and all that would, would would be done and then you're left with what the normal market was so you need to evaluate it as what the normal market is first uh, and then look at the catalyst which in this case it's the frigates um, look at the catalyst and see how long that catalyst is going to last therefore uh, primary investments uh, in that manner so that you're t- capturing both the general normal fundamental of the area uh, with a clear understanding that when the when the uh, catalyst goes away, that you are left with just the normal fundamentals, and um, whilst you've got that as a baseline, you're trying to capitalise on the big upsurge that's likely to happen when the uh, incentives come into the area. And, and it's the same uh, if for those that um, uh, were investing in the mining towns. So if you come back to say uh, New South Wales and uh, the uh, so-called uh, gold rush in Orange in the last what is it, 10, 10 years, in, particularly in the last five years um, of, of that phase, when the consultants were coming in and all that, that, that area had a huge surge in terms of growth. But the smart investors in there actually were exiting out of the market at that stage uh, because they could see that whilst the fundamentals were still there, the surging growth would not continue. 
It's interesting, and and we touched a little bit on this when we last got together. Uh, go and tune in, 28th of March. Uh, it was episode 17. It was around um, diversification. So how do you diversify? What is diversification? When do you go about doing it? And diversification being one of those fundamental attributes of any portfolio, which means that you're de-risking and also getting the benefits of being in either multiple markets or different types of that's right. property assets. And that's what we spoke about. So go and tune in, 28th of March, episode uh, 17 around diversification. Diversification is an interesting one because previous to this, we've also spoken about some of the other major tenets of um, property investments. And one of them was around sort of the art of manufacturing equity. Mm-hmm. Uh, when do you do that? And one of the key points of that was around renovations as a way in which you can really manufacture equity. So you can take your property from being X to Y. So I wanted to drill down a little bit and unpack that theme with you guys today, if that's okay. Because myself as an investor, I've done uh, a number of different renovations and you guys have supported me with some advice and, and insights and you know how best to frame it. And there is a lot of pitfalls with renos. I think it's one of those glamorous parts of property investing where people watch The Block or any of these other shows selling houses Australia and they see all the soft furnishings and these transformation of properties and uh, and they get caught up uh, in the groundswell and uh, go, yes, I can be a, a renovator and yes, I'm going to make tens if not hundreds of thousand dollars by transforming my property. Personal experience, a lot of people, most, some, get it absolutely wrong. So I want to give our listeners some, some really hard and fast tenets to go down this path and making sure... Renault's is the right way. So, Steve, having spent a bit of time with you on uh, Renault sites, and uh, uh, I remember we did the renovation that you helped us out with, sort of with some guidance in Luxord Road in Mount Druitt, where we transformed two-bedroom property in one weekend, which was pretty hard going. Go and check it out. It's on smartpropertyinvestment.com. There you so you're okay holding tools. You're very practical. You get it. You understand it. Whereas uh, our good friend and colleague here, Victor, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't know which end of a hammer to pick up. So <laughs> do you need to be handy to be good at renovations is the question. It's not essential, but it certainly helps. Okay. And, it, and it doesn't mean that you need to be on the tools as much as some of us would love to be. But if you have a vague idea on how something is done, uh, then you'll have a better idea on how much it should cost and how long it should take so that perhaps you're not taking advantage of somewhere down the line. There's a lot of ways we can approach this conversation around renovation and someone's going to be very tangible about how to, you know, how to prioritise, how to get trades, what to do yourself, that sort of stuff. We'll get to that later on. But I think we need to start at the front end of this, Victor. And um, I said renovations is good for manufacturing equity but mm-hmm. there's a lot of other reasons why you should renovate Absolutely. so let's just let's just go through those three or four points about why you should renovate well the first thing um, that we want uh, to make sure is that you're falling in love with the results not the action yeah, so a lot of people start wanting to do renovations because they love being on the tools or they've just bought a property and they have to renovate because they want to renovate uh, so the idea is that you want to renovate to what you're trying to achieve Sometimes the renovation is just to boost up your cash flow, whether it is to get the property rented out much quicker to get a better better quality tenant. Uh, other times it is more of a essential maintenance, um, such as upgrading the uh, wiring in the property, upgrading the plumbing in the property. Uh, that doesn't really add value to the property, uh, but what it does, it, it certainly, maybe it's a duty of care. Uh, or it adds to the longevity of the property. And then there's the uh, renovating to uh, protect your deposit or protect your your capital in, in the property or uh, to, to actually increase the equity or forcing the growth, especially if it's a market that's going sideways or a market that, that uh, potentially is, is uh, slowing down. You named a number of reasons why you should be renovating. I think most people renovate 
some of them like the process of mm-hmm. doing it and uh and and personally i know you're this way as well so you don't really care too much no, I, don't. <laughs> I actually get satisfaction out of the creation yeah. Yeah. you know like i like to be able to you know i'm going to tile and i'm sort of reasonably handy and i like the idea of getting my hands dirty rather than sort of you know, talking making about a difference, making a difference, making a difference. Yeah. So I get a lot of personal satisfaction yeah. out of that, but I don't let that cloud why I'm doing this, and that is, it's, it's about the dollars and cents. So it's either getting my property rented quicker or getting stickier tenants who are going to be there mm-hmm. longer. Another point you made was something I have to do in order for duty of care or essential maintenance, and then it's about creating value as well. So there's four different types or reasons why you should be renovating. It's about working out when you should be doing it, and those prioritizations are very often difficult for an investor with a lot of experience to make so how do you how do you work that out steve the it timing really, of a reno uh, there's a multitude of reasons one of them could be the the timing of the market and where it is in its cycle uh victor touched on on one of the reasons not to perhaps is or whether you should whether it's going to create cash flow or not but a lot of the re- a lot of the time you are doing a renovation to clearly make some money so increase the property's value mm. uh, and, the, and it's got to be dollar cost productive for you so a dollar spent two dollars earned or whatever the formula is you have between your ears uh, the other reason is of course to create cash flow but the the really big reason why to do a renovation sometimes is actually around cash flow and it's not the rent that you're going to receive as a as a result of the renovation but the maintenance that you're not going to do is on an ongoing basis uh, therefore increasing cash flow or the net cash flow but when we're looking at a, at a property or an area uh, on whether to decide to renovate or not, it's really about nothing other than the dollars. Are we going to increase cash flow or are we going to increase the property's value? When we, we did a podcast around the art of manufacturing equity, you spoke about purchasing a property at a point in time overlaid with your idea of what you could do with it Correct. Yeah. at a point in time. So uh, that's the skill uh, of, a, of a very sophisticated buyer's agent that you can see what something can be by spending a few bucks on it. So um, should you approach every purchase with the idea that you want to create value through renovation or sometimes no. you just don't go that way? No, you don't, you're not always going to be doing the renovation and, and you, even though it may need it, some form of renovation, you're looking at a period of time before you touch the property because uh, that's where you're going to get better bang for your dollar is over a period of time rather than doing the work right now. And it's every area is different. You know, different states, different areas within the states will also help you make the decision on whether you should renovate or not. So in Sydney at the moment, there are certain areas throughout Sydney where no matter what you buy, I wouldn't be renovating. I just don't think you'll get a return on your dollar. And if you're looking to acquire more property in your portfolio, Victor, should you should you have a strategy which is, I want to acquire a property for renovation, or should you be quite agnostic when you look into a market and see what's available and match opportunities with market conditions? I think I think you need to match opportunities with market conditions, right? So just because um, uh, you know you're, you're focusing on renovation potential property and if you if you get a humdinger of a property that has the best attributes towards an investment property in your portfolio yet it doesn't need renovation you wouldn't want to pass that by either uh, obviously you need to be buying on a plan as to what you're buying next and and what you're going to buy after that and how you're going to fund it uh, particularly with the way finance is working right now i mean if you're talking the yesteryears you could renovate today and pull out all of your money tomorrow uh, with the way banks were operating uh, a lot of them are, are a lot more gun shy doing that right now so you need to factor all of those things in uh, and also take into account that when you are renovating there is the time factor as well that takes you potentially out of the market for a little while especially if you're doing it on your own and and, and you're actually doing the renovations uh, over weekends which um, you know I don't necessarily agree with you'd m- want to make sure that the 
time you're spending, the money you're spending, and certainly the um, the organizations uh, of, of the trades and so forth you're, you're doing is going to pay you dividends, which is going to be far better than, say, a property that you can buy right now that just doesn't need renovation. And when you're working with clients, do you sometimes sit down and framing this in a way in which me and Steve get a lot of value well, we get a lot of personal satisfaction about doing a reno and yep. you're a little bit more detached from that and that's cool but you get the uh, I get the results you get the results mm. and you understand the utility of it do you ever sit with a client and say hey, you shouldn't worry about doing a reno you're either disorganised or you haven't got the skills do you know what I mean by that like yeah, look, I, I should think, you not renovate should yeah, you not be a renovator I think all investors at some point in time need to get that out of their system right they need to do one renovation to get it out of their system uh, it, it seems to be that as you as you become a multiple property owner that the tendency is to try your hand at renovation some of them uh, work out really well others may not uh, once you've got it out of the system then then you need to look at it uh, like Steve said uh, based on the market where you're buying and based on where your portfolio is for someone that's just starting out and uh, may not have the skill set to do renovations I wouldn't do that as a very first property it's really important to make sure that yeah first-time investors shouldn't be renovating Mm. like but having said that somewhere as Victor said somewhere in your portfolio configuration there will be time to do a renovation or because you're capitalizing on an opportunity that perhaps uh, you've purchased directly for that reason or it's just emerged that way whether it be a maintenance and repair scenario or a, a zoning change or, or whatever it may be but being aware that uh, you may have to do it I think will pay dividends. Yeah. I imagine your response to this Steve is going to be it depends but should you be renovating in, in a softening market i.e. Sydney? Possibly okay. and what you're doing uh, in certain areas of Sydney if we're going to go down that path is actually protecting your capital or your equity that you have but it also, as an oversupply scenario may emerge, you might be also putting yourself into a better rental market or the capacity to have your property rented as opposed to not. And we, we see that in certain parts of the Brisbane market as well, being that you need to bring your property up to better condition so that you are attractive to potential tenants as some areas do have you know, more accommodation uh, than what they did perhaps a year ago. It sounds really quite complicated, you know, working out when and when not to do a renovation. We're talking about market conditions so local market conditions as in does the property i have if there's a lot of properties available on the marketplace how attractive is my property versus other properties if i price it cheaper and it's unrenovated is that a better solution than spending a few bucks on it and making a better mm. property and therefore more attractive what sort of tenants are going to get a lower end versus the high end and we're going through this right now with our portfolio a place that we've we've just working on finalizing a renovation on uh, when we bought it and you know, it wasn't particularly the most attractive property, but it already had sitting tenants. But we worked out pretty quickly that, oh, actually, to get new tenants in at a price point which is going to satisfy the market and also bring someone who's going to be sticky, mm. we had to spend a few bucks on it. Some of it was preventative maintenance and essential maintenance. Some of it was a bit of beautification to make it a mm. nice place. So, how do you work this out? If you're not using a buyer's agent and you're sitting there, my mind boggles when I think about it. You've got to make a decision. Yeah, I look, get in become close to your property manager is a really good start so they can actually help give you guidance on what you should be doing well they're in good terms in terms of what product you should have yeah so let's yeah. say it's you know abc real estate agents that manage the property they've probably got a sales arm there as well so the property manager will be your first course or your first point of communication saying well what do i need to do to this property to sustain a tenant or to increase my cash flow whatever the reason may be and they'll give you some pretty good steerage around that their sales department will give you some idea on what the property will be worth today versus tomorrow if you do spend you know, certain amounts of, of money. And how we do that from our side is we break it into to blocks of money. If I do this, what is it worth? 
and what's the cash flow return if I do the next step or the next step or the next step. And it's very important to to know what your return on your investment or your dollars spent is going to be. I think it, it's really important that you do that because you can get carried away oh, and very certainly overcapitalize, yeah. um, especially when, you, when you're doing a, a renovation from the heart rather than the head. Uh, and that's why you need to involve the property manager so that uh, they do keep you on track um, so that you're not, not necessarily putting top of the range stuff that doesn't make any difference whatsoever uh, in terms of the value of the property or the um, the rentability of it. So property investment, the two main levers or outcomes is either capital growth or a cash flow outcome. So it might be a, a better cash flow outcome or a negative cash flow outcome. Might be increasing value or decreasing value. And properties decrease in value. They do. Um, they do. And, and, and Sydney is softening at the moment where there is a, I think there's been a 5% decrease in value of property so when you're looking at renovation it's still it's still the two same levers it's either are you doing this to make your property worth more money or hold its position or are you doing it for a cash flow reason a cash flow reason might be i need a better tenant in there or i need to generate more yield it's so, is, is, yeah. that a, is, is that too base no I, I think that's a really good starting point at the end of the day um but you, but I think market the market will dictate certain swings and, and roundabouts in the market will dictate whether it's a renovator's market. So if we go back to so a renovator's market, okay, a renovator's market, and I think in certain areas of Australia we're coming into that now. And, and actually, some of the bank's figures uh, in terms of the lending are showing you know uh, an upswing in regards to the amounts of money they're lending for renovations. Uh, and there's probably a couple of good reasons for that. One is it's too expensive to move, so people are renovating uh, to get a better product where they live if you're an owner-occupier. From an investment's point of view or an investor's point of view, uh, I think we are starting to see some markets become a renovating market, as we call okay, it. Okay, what is a renovator's market? So where you can actually make some decent money uh, by buying something capital that's- Capital growth. Capital growth okay. or instant equity, which is a very loose phrase, and we, we might talk about that a little bit later on as well. Uh, but where you can buy something that is- cosmetically challenged or if you're a really good renovator perhaps even structurally challenged throwing some money at it and actually having a very good return on your investment now there is um, always a market within a market and we we won't go too much into the to the fundamentals of markets other than population growth is 50 percent of the game and so we're looking for areas that have an upswing in population as an example where the government is perhaps helping homeowners get into the market so whether it be via stamp duty concessions or first homeowners grants or whatever it may be and looking for uh, properties that once again are cosmetically challenged that the first homeowner or a homeowner will not want because they don't have a big enough deposit to buy something that's cosmetically challenged albeit cheaper and then spend the money. They want to move in straight away. Mm. And if we go back post-GFC, mm-hmm. you know, that was a, a very lucrative time uh, for investors who were specifically renovating. So, so taking something that's rubbish and then turning it into something that's you know, mm. quite nice. And interesting to see if you buy into these stats, Victor, you, you read a lot of stuff around property investment and they say 80% of an investment is its location and 20% of it is... The actual asset selection. Uh, so this is a great place, 80% of benefit of it, and 20% is the actual place. When we talk about renovation, it probably doesn't hold true in that regards, does it? Because um, then it comes more so weighted towards what you're buying in a good exactly location. Right, yeah, exactly right. But uh, also, also in terms of location, you've got to make sure that you you're looking at it from the right perspective. Mm. Location, as in. You're on a holiday and you love that place, and you fall in love with the location. Not a good investment, yeah. Not necessarily. You're good talking about one of yeah. Steve Waters' investments up, yeah. in, uh, <laughs> up in Nelson Bay. Hey, hey, which but, we spoke about. So Vic and I were in Perth last week. Was it yep, last, last week. week? And you know, we had this 
interesting conversation because he he's also got one up in Port Stephen. So yeah. like, I don't know, I beat you, mate. I've got two. You got two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now he's talking about buying another holiday home, but this time down south. Like he okay. hasn't learned his lesson. So sorry, I interrupt. Right. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this with you with your boats. Yeah, sure, yeah. that's different. To start by beer. <laughs> Everyone invests in stupid stuff. You know, we've got a, I've got my uh, my my antique vehicles that uh, I've sold. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Everyone needs a hobby. <laughs> so the location itself, yeah. uh, you need to you need to put the right filter on it first, right? It needs to be a good location from an investment point of view. In other words, a location where you'd get tenants readily and a location where you can offload the property easily if you needed to sell or if you wanted to sell. Um, so, uh, you know, no holiday homes, no such thing uh, from an invest- investment point of view. Then you put the filter on of, okay, will I be able to value add whether it is via cash flow or increasing the cash flow or whether it is via increasing the equity or protecting your capital uh, by doing a renovation and then again the renovation itself is it a cosmetic renovation is it a structural renovation and are there any money suckers in there you know your money suckers would be your plumbing your you know repairing the roof uh, that doesn't necessarily add value, as an example. Uh, so let's say you've got a tin roof that's full of holes uh, and you need to replace the roof, not necessarily increasing the value of it, but you're certainly increasing the longevity of the property. We could talk hours about when and how, why to, to do a reno, um, and we could probably take that offline. Any questions, uh, uh, contact the guys. Uh, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au, and I think there's a lot more detail around that, and by way of a disclaimer, I guess, but it's a, it's contextual. Uh, everyone's circumstance is different. So uh, you need to make sure that your strategy for renovating is in line with what you were trying to achieve in terms of your overall portfolio. So I'll say that offline, chat to the guys, that they'll be happy to sort of deal with that in detail. But before we get there, if you had to give away your one secret for renovating, and I'm not going to frame it any other way, what is a one secret for renovation to get it right? Have the money before you need it. Don't go halfway through the renovation and run out of money. So that's the, that's the biggest one. Yeah? That's the biggest one by far. Interesting, Steve. That was pretty good. Yeah. Buy it better. Buy it better. Mm, so build the, the mitigation into the price when you're purchasing it. So if you're going to renovate something, and apart from knowing what the outcome is, whether you're going to flip it or whether you're going to revalue it to extract equity, you need to buy it better than a property that doesn't need renovation. So the, one of the mantras of property is that you make your money on your way in, right? You make so your money on the way Does in. Does that still hold true in any market? 100%. What does that mean? Can you just sort of explain that? Your buying or making money on the way in is just how well you buy it. So are you buying it in a very loose term, below market value, and your market value is different for everybody else, uh, or what's the potential of the property? Taking something that nobody else wants, applying uh, a price to it, and then making it something that everybody wants. I think to put it in context, Steve, um, uh, when the renovation bug hits during the property cycle, a lot of these properties that have got the tag renovators delight or... or, or um, we'll go for more than what yeah, the renovated properties are yeah, It's good salesmanship yeah. on the behalf of the real That's estate right. agent. But right? it's also the people people are afraid of missing out and, and all they're seeing is that I'll, I'll put a new kitchen in, new bathroom in, and all of a sudden it'll be worth X. But what they're not doing, as, as Steve said, is they're not building it into their off hour or their, or their purchase price to begin with, yet they're paying a premium for a renovation potential property. Then they're adding on top of it the capital they have to use to bring it up to speed. Uh, and when you compare it against a property that, that doesn't have the tag, all of a sudden you've just paid too much for it. And it's also a pretty good indicator of what the market's doing. So if we go back to Sydney for the last couple of years try getting a tradesman here because everyone's busy the market is percolating the money wheel is being spun 
uh, Brisbane is in the same boat because three years ago, tradesmen were knocking on our doorsteps looking for, for work. Now we can't get one. Uh, West Coast, you know, certain areas, you know, builders are very busy, unbeknown to most. Uh, and there are other areas where there's, you know, tradesmen are a dime a dozen. Hey, what I want to do, I'm going to speed through some, um, and I've just been thinking about this as we've been chatting, speed through just a couple of, um, I guess, components of renovating. So, Victor, I'm going to start with you, mate. Structural versus cosmetic renovation. What is it and when to do it? So a structural renovation as such is is where you're involving council, you're involving a builder, and there is some plans or, or, or m- more project management in place. And you may need uh, to actually, um, when, you, when you really look at the fine print of your mortgage documents, you actually may need the consent of your lender. Not that anyone does that, I suppose. Your cosmetic renovations is, I look at it in the sense to say that can you do this over a weekend. In other words, can you paint a wall? That's cosmetic. Can you replace the carpets? I suppose that's cosmetic. Things that you could do yourself, you'd, you'd uh, without being a tradie, uh, you'd term as cosmetic. It also includes uh, dressing up the property from the outside. So your gardens, your your fencing, and all the sort of stuff, that'll fall into the cosmetic side of it. So I'm gonna use that as a segue then. Um, around another point. Uh Doing it yourself or using a tradesman. I personally like to use the term sweat equity, Steve. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just just to be clear, that's our term. (laughs) (laughs) So sweat equity versus paying a trader to do it. So Victor said some things you should be able to do yourself. Everyone can weed a garden. Everyone can plant some shrubs. Anyone should be able to paint a wall. You know, laying carpet is probably a different set of skills. Polishing floorboards, if, you, if you're reasonably handy, you could probably sort that out yourself, but it's a headache. Worst job in the world. Worst job in the world, yeah, yeah, I've done that. Uh, um, putting in a new kitchen, can't do that yourself. Wiring, plumbing, shouldn't do that yourself. It's uh, You need to get licensed tradespeople. So when you work out sweat equity versus dollars out of your pocket to pay for a trade? It's around about what you earn as well. So where's your time best spent? You know, if you're PAYG or if you're self-employed, doesn't really matter. If you're if you're leaving money on the table from one income stream to go and work on another, it'd really want to be worth it. So, if you've got the time, uh, I know when I first started, I would do it at night time. So I'd finished my day's job, and then I would go and do it at night time because I was after that sweat equity component, and I'd do the unskilled labour. Uh, so the usually the ripping out of the kitchen and you know the ripping out of the carpets and the painting the crap and, jobs yeah all the crap jobs where it's usually more expensive to get the handyman to do than it is you know some of the other trades uh jobs so i do that stuff and as as time went on and i learned different things well i do more and more and more and more but it does get to a point where we're looking at a time period so if i take myself at the moment i'm buying a house up in Brisbane that needs a hell of a lot of work to it and I won't go anywhere near it. It just does not make any sense for me to do that other than to project manage it. Everything from the unskilled labour to the to the tradesman and I'll just have it all all done. As we've said beforehand, if you'd like doing that sort of stuff and you want to spend your weekends doing it, that's cool as well. And it depends on your budget and what yeah. sort of capital you've got around yeah. you as well. Yeah, Some people will, will do whatever it takes and you know I applaud that. Okay. Victor, overcapitalization term that we hear a lot banded around. What is it? Look, it's basically not setting a right budget, right? Uh, coming, coming back to what Steve said, you need to know the costs of various items. You need to know how much a three-bedroom house will cost to paint, all of those things. So that it begins from there, but it also comes down to uh, not having a uh, solid plan in terms of the renovation. So you're not, you're not, you don't have a scope built up to begin with. You haven't got it costed out at the time that you are buying the property. 
most people they they um, buy the property because it's it's got a renovation potential. Then they do a scope of works and then put a budget together. You need to do it right up in the in the in the front end, so that you get the result you're after at the at the back end uh, once you've completed the renovation. If you fail to do that, you will end up spending too much money, and particularly if you start renovating to your taste rather than to the market, you will end up uh, overcapitalizing. In other words, spending more money than what you can pull out or not necessarily getting the result that you are after, even though you may have spent weeks and and uh, you know, thousands of dollars bringing the property up to speed to your specifications rather than markets. I think that's a good one to re- renovating to the demographic. And I think a lot of people talk about that like they understand it, and not many people do. It's, it's such an important component. And a really good example would be... And so your property manager or the sales agent are going to tell you what they're doing. Not all the time. Not, okay. not, not, not all the time because right. this is where the trick is, is actually making sure that your property manager understands that this is an investment because not many property managers invest. You could probably count them on one hand. But renovating to the demographic, a really good example is uh, whether you should tile an area, a living area, or whether you should carpet depending on the demographic. Something so simple... Mm-hmm. Could be so, the, so what you're talking about there is just how people live, right? You know, it's certain people from would prefer prefer tiled versus carpeted. Would prefer tiled, but also from an ongoing maintenance point of view. So some people will cook spicier foods, which gets into the carpet, which gets yeah. into the carpet and the curts, curtains, and you will never get rid of that smell. So what you'll be doing is within the next tenancy, whether that be in 12 months, two years, three years, you'll be ripping out all carpets and curtains and replacing it again. So get it right from the beginning. Not only will you get the right tenant to begin with or the right value to begin with but you'll also get a better result in terms of cash flow as tenants turnover over the years now this point Stephen, i'm going to ask you this question because um i've got some personal experience with this where i've done a renovation um and i've got a value in i've received a valuation i wasn't very happy with it and then i've done one more day's work and spent maybe another hundreds not thousands of dollars and changed the valuation by forty thousand dollars so this comes back to the why. Why are you renovating? And for the purpose of I'm trying to increase the value of the property so I can draw down the equity to go and buy a new yep. property. And that was my experience. I had such a fluctuation in valuation. Part of it was timing. Part of it was presentation. How do you get this right? How do you present the best property post-renovation to best influence a valuer to see the see the world that you see in terms of dollar value? <laughs> Actually, I remember that renovation. We yeah. got in a lot of trouble speaking very openly about valuers at the time. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression, so get it right to begin with, and that all the little stuff. So I'm a massive believer is from the curb backwards. So when someone pulls up to that house, whether it's a valuer, a tenant, a buyer, and they're sitting outside, everything from the front lawn to the front door. And you call that street appeal? Street appeal, 100%. Yeah. Okay. And then inside, so we, we make sure everything's clean. If there's a tenant because you've, put a tenant in there after you've renovated mm. yeah they need ample notice from your property manager to make sure the house is clean the dishes out of the thing out of the sink you're just giving yourself every possible chance to get the best result and if you don't put that time into it on the back end of it having put it all into the front end well you're cutting your chances in half literally and do you recommend that if you are getting your property revalued post renovation for the purpose of increasing capital value that you're on site when the value arrives Look, or someone should be. Someone should be on site, and we're, yeah. we're, as you know, we're a big believer in creating a report, just like a valuer would be, and having, you know, either the the client or or one of our staff meet a valuer on site with all the before and after photos, so that they can the valuer hasn't been in there before, so he doesn't know what you've just done, other than it's a fresh place. So all the before and after photos, 
all the local comparable sales that are recent uh, and apples for apples because often valuers may oversee some attributes of the property. It's almost like its own valuation report Mm. for the valuer and you can give that to the valuer all in a nice little document folder so or what have you. they get pissed off they go, oh, I know what's going on here. You know what? It's, um, you so you've got to read it you've, well. You've led yeah. me there. It's, um, <laughs> I can see three years ago happening over Some will get a little bit irate saying, well, you know, I did you know, five years of university to do this. Leave me alone, let me do my Leave job. Leave me alone, let me do my job. Because at the end of the day, the valuers, there's a lot of pressure on a valuer in terms of their, they can't get it wrong. So that's why they usually underestimate, in my opinion. They don't have a lot of time. They don't get paid a lot. So making the job as easy as you can they may just throw it back in your face and saying I don't need it but some actually say yeah thanks for that and they're appreciative of it so So it helps them make it it may help them because at the end of the day the valuer doesn't necessarily come from the area that he's doing the valuation from him you know he might be from the other side of the the city so he doesn't have a lot of time to get to know the property and all the area and what comparables and what market conditions are so a lot of the time they'll jump onto a the local real estate agent's you know, phone number and say, what do you think this property is worth? So to combat that or to help that, whichever way you look at it, part of this valuation document or preparation document that we suggest clients do is also to get three local real estate agents involved and do market appraisals for you. And on give them to the value. And as then well. that's part of your presentation pack to the value. Yeah, so they've the got the, the local market appraisals. Now, the key is don't lie. Don't say to you, if he's a mate, oh, let's, you know, pump, let's pump this val yeah. or what you think it's up because valuers aren't stupid and, and you don't want to be doing something as dodgy as that. Just be real. Three different letterheads, three different market appraisals and give yourself the best chance. Now, the question, Victor, that I asked you was the, the secret to renovate. You also had to renovate and you said, make sure you've got enough money before mm-hmm. you start renovating. That's cool. So I'm going to conclude with this question and I don't want the same answer wrapped up in a different way. What's the biggest mistake that you've seen people constantly make when they renovate? Getting the renovation bug rather than the expertise itself. Uh, so they're, they're jumping in because they've seen a TV show or they've seen someone else who have done really well out of renovations and they're trying their hand, on it, uh, hand at it and they're not actually uh, doing the sums correctly. So they're projecting figures with a lot of what ifs. Uh, and, and as soon as you start doing that, you're bound to make make some financial losses. Steve, same question for you. Don't want the same answer. What's the biggest mistake you've made renovating? Okay, uh, time. And that was a result of, I think it was nine renovations happening at the same time. So too many renos at once. Too many renos. Mr. Renovation. Too many renos at <laughs> once, uh, which resulted in you know, ad hoc time to each of them, which then pushed out timelines, which then cost money. And then as you go down that path, you start to change the scope, which is what Victor mm-hmm. uh, touched on as well. You know, once you have a scope or a plan for your renovation, keep it that way. As soon as you start changing whatever you're going to do within that renovation, it adds more time, adds more money, and the result. So you had nine renos going at once, which is a lot. I imagine not yep. many people actually are in that situation. And that's cool. Is it okay to get scale through renovation? Is it all right to do every renovation exactly the same? Yeah. Based on, you know, same color walls, yeah. Same, you, you I'm know a fan I mean. of that. Yeah. Now, depending styles. on the demographic, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have, I have the same color. I have the same tiles. Same I have the same kitchens, the same laundry tubs, the same lights. Everything is the same. Because the same suppliers then as well? A lot you of the time to, was. Depends yeah. on where they are in, mm. you know, in, in the country, uh, in Australia. But um, that way, I'm very tight in terms of my costings. Do you buy in bulk or you just know what the price is? get the benefits so it depends on what the materials I guess you get, were if you've got leftovers and stuff you yeah so it depends on the materials i don't I, I tend not to buy you know kitchens in bulk i've actually got a kitchen i know you've got a kitchen in your house. <laughs> <laughs> you do yeah if you can find the right paint supply it's a massive saving for you and usually the, the rule of thumb that we had or the general rule of thumb was 
uh, every four houses that you paint, the fifth one's free with just leftovers in terms of materials. Tiles, you always order 10% more than you need because of wastage and cuts and what have you. So every six houses is free in terms of materials and so on and so forth. It has a flow-on effect as well down the track in terms of maintenance as well. So you know what colour paint Correct. you're using. So when, when you have a yeah, change in tenancy. You know what the tile is, yeah, yeah. You know what the door handle is and so on. Victor, closing remarks around innovation. Good, bad, indifferent? Uh, do it in the right market. Do it for the right uh, results. Don't just jump into it and uh, and think that you'll make uh, a squillion dollars uh, because you need to do your sums up front. And as a property investor, who should I be turning to first for advice around why, where, when, how I should renovate? I think it depends on where your portfolio is at mm. uh, to begin with uh, and sort out the finance first. Okay. And which we haven't really touched financing on this, but uh, Steve, your closing remarks, well, I know you love renovating, nine simultaneous renovations. Uh, all successful, no doubt. Was a, good, with a grin. was a good yeah. result, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the long yeah. run, we could have done better. But um, done better. closing remark: control the opportunity is what I would say, and, and do the renovation when it is the most viable time. And I guess my point is, um, uh, and you know, obviously talk about this a lot. Uh, we, um, our buyer's agent for our portfolio for smart property investment, is the right property group, and these guys have helped out a lot with me in terms of scoping a renovation and, and all those things we've gone, yeah, why do it, when to do it, how's it fit within your portfolio, what your objectives are. It's a bazillion different things. Um, so my advice is to lean on the people who know what they're doing in this regards. Don't think you should be doing everything yourself because it's impossible. Unless you're fully immersed in this every single day, uh, it's okay to ask for help. So I've done a number of renovations and by and large, all of them have been pretty effective. Um, yeah, some some large, some small, some a little bit of structural stuff, mainly cosmetic. Uh, I like to get my hands dirty. I haven't done one for a while now. My life's sort of a lot busier than what it is, what it was sort of five years ago. But uh, go and ask for help. It's okay if anyone needs to know, or uh, you guys are happy to answer any questions around Absolutely, this. Yeah. Questions that's at Right Property Group. So I got that right earlier. Yeah. Questions at Right <laughs> Property Group. Yep. See, you see, I'm more excited about the uh, the tangible bit. We went through the sort of who, what, why, where, how stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I quite like the, <laughs> you know, I like to see change. So, um, but lean on these guys as well. I'm sure you, you guys are happy to answer any questions. Sure. So, questions at Right Property Group. How do they find out more about you guys? Go onto our website www.rightpropertygroup.com.au or uh, search us on Facebook. Um, we're there and we also have um, face-to-face events so these are, these are open forums in um, uh, New South Wales and uh, Victoria so in Victoria last Thursday of each month uh, in St Kilda the details will be on our Facebook page uh, and in uh, New South Wales in Parramatta usually the first Monday or Tuesday of the month and you often talk about Renault's Renault's come up a lot right yeah, absolutely yeah. okay cool nice enjoyed that makes you want to do some more Renault's uh Let's do it. You have got a big... I've got one coming up. Do you want to do it? You can get some hands-on... Hands on, uh... I want to do it for myself and get the benefits of it, Steve, but I want to do your Renos. <laughs> you will get a benefit. But I do have, Just as you know, a... I've got, like, enough tiles to probably do three Renos. I've got kitchens and bathrooms ready to go. I just need a really good... I'm not going to ship that up to, to Queensland. I just need a really good uh, city So you need something back down here. I do. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. That was episode 18 of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group, Renovations. I'm sure I'll come up with a really sexy headline for that from when we put this up online, uh, which will be good. Uh, but don't forget... Um, real, real Estate to Rio. Real, like real Estate to Rio. That day. was all right, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> That's not why someone does that much better than me, so I just... There was your chance yeah. to talk it up, but no. I know. Oh, yeah. you know, it's good. Uh, it was good. Go and check it out. Uh, to uh, chat with um, Matt Abood, who is uh, an Olympic swimmer who... Uh, uh, has hung up his togs, uh, his speedos. Speedos. <laughs> togs. I've got togs. I'm a swimmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you listen to that podcast? I yeah. did. It was pretty amusing, though. Like, you swim in a 
like a bathtub and he's yeah. an Olympic swimmer and you're well, trying to you know, sort of compare notes. We're all the same. We all like the water, but uh, yeah, go and check it out. Anyway, so remember to go and check out the, the other episodes uh, of Investing Insights. Last one, episode 17 was around diversification and there is a whole bunch of stuff. You just search through the feed wherever you're listening to this right now. Go and enjoy. They're generally longer form podcasts compared to what we do with the Smart Property Investment Show and we get into a lot more detail. So enjoy. Any questions? Remember Victor said questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Check them out on Facebook, etc. And we'll be back again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned. 